are continuing our series today called A Beautiful uh, Mess. Uh, we've been looking at family dynamics, and we've been leapfrogging through the book of Genesis, uh, examining the family dynamics of the patriarchs. Uh, and what we've been finding, if you've been with us at all through the series, is that family, even in the Bible, is a bit of a mess, right? <clears throat> Now, right out of the gate this morning, I want to introduce you to our next family. Uh, it's the family of Isaac. And if you remember last week, Isaac took center stage. He's the son of Abraham. Uh, he grows up to marry a beautiful young woman named Rebecca. Uh, it was a match made in heaven. That is, until they had twin boys named Esau and Jacob. After that, things start to get a little hairy, if you, if you know what I mean, right? <laughs> oh, sorry. Don't give me a pity laugh. Um, their family deals with issues of favoritism and deception and anger. Now, before we dive into that narrative today, I want to give you a modern-day picture of how the conversations in their family might have looked. How many of you in this room are fans of the show This Is Us? Right? Okay, a couple of you. I see some over here, maybe more weighted on this side. Um, it's a really popular, very well-written TV show on NBC. And the show follows the storylines of the Pearson family. You can see them on the screen up there. Yeah, the dad's name is Jack. The mom's name is Rebecca, just like our story today. Uh, they have three kids named Kevin, Kate, and Randall. And in the very first episode of the show, uh, we learn that Rebecca is supposed to have triplets. Uh, one of those children is born stillborn. Now, Randall was born on the same day in the same hospital, but his birth parents abandoned him. And so Jack and Rebecca really wanted to have three kids, and so they adopt Randall, and the kids up there become known as the Big Three. Now, if you fast forward 36 years, Kevin, Kate, and Randall are in their mid-30s. So you see them up here. Uh, Kevin is a successful actor living in New York City. Kate has just gotten married, and Randall also has a successful career and a family of his own. Uh, the show is told, if you've seen it, in uh, present day, but there's flashbacks, so you get to see sins of, uh, scenes of what it was like of the kids growing up. Uh, in the present day, their father, Jack, has died, and the kids are constantly having to deal with the aftermath of that. And so, as you can imagine, there's some dysfunction that comes out. Now, I want to show you one scene from uh, the show where Kevin who's been struggling with drug addiction, gets the whole family together for a group therapy session. Have you ever been part of one of these? <laughs> it's pretty intense, so get ready. In this scene, I think we'll catch a glimpse of some themes we'll see in our Genesis passage today. So uh, let's watch this scene. Rebecca, do you have an opinion about your husband's alcoholism? Did you ever talk to your children about their father being an addict? Did you ever warn them that they would have the gene? Uh, my, my children lost their father when they were 17. They didn't have their father at their high school graduation. Randall didn't have his father when his children were born. Kate will not have her father at her wedding. So they had 17 years of memories, and that's it. There won't be any new ones for the rest of their lives. So, no, no, I did not sit them down and color their memories of their father by talking about the one part of him that wasn't perfect. And you really do a disservice by calling my husband an addict because he was so much more than that. Thank you. It's interesting that you bring up examples of Kate and Randall, but not Kevin. What? Kate not having her father at her wedding and Randall not having his father when his children were born. Yes, because those were just the first two examples that came to my mind. But don't you find it interesting that you have specific examples for your other children, but not Kevin? I don't. I don't find it interesting. I find it typical, to be honest with you. I mean, this is what we talk enough. about. Mom, you enough. Never... You don't have to lay into her. Okay, here we go. Yeah, here we go is right. Look, I, I've tried to empathize with you, Kevin. I really have. I've held my tongue while you've whined about your childhood. A childhood which I was there for, by the way, which I bore witness to. Your football tosses on the lawn with Dad. Your tummy rubs from Mom when you had a fever. See, Barbara may not have been there, 
But I was there. I've held my tongue. But I will not hold my tongue while you go after our mother for not parenting. I'm not going after our mother, Randall. Why do you always twist things around like that? He's not twisting anything, Kevin. He's simply defending me. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. You're right. I'm sorry. Why don't you take his side? Because that's what I'm saying. I am not taking anybody's side. You want to talk about your tortured childhood? Huh? You want to compare baggage? Randall, <laughs> let's Randall, do that. No, I would never Christ, compare my tortured Kevin. childhood with yours, Randall, because I wasn't abandoned or adopted no. or I didn't have anxiety or I'm not a genius. No, you're Kevin. definitely not that, Kevin. You know what else you're not? You're not an addict, okay? The only thing that you're addicted to is attention. I mean, what happened, Kev? Your movie wrapped, you weren't rolling with Sly and Ron Howard anymore. Nobody was looking at you. So you had to get us all up here. All eyes on you, Q-drug problem. Okay. Okay, Kev. <laughs> okay, guys. No, you know so what, I, I just, I'm, I wanna know your thoughts on this, Randall. Why do you think your daughter was hiding in my car? Why do you think your daughter was hiding in my car. Have you ever thought about that? What about it? She was avoiding the Randall Show. Don't you dare No, no, talk welcome about to the Randall Show, now. ladies Kevin, and gentlemen. Kevin. Adopted by white people, two dads. Does it get any more interesting than that? Well, not for Randall. So you, you move your dying father into your home without thinking about what your wife or what your kids think of that, and then you bring some, some strange girl into the house after he dies, right? And the only person sitting there that no one's paying attention to is your daughter, Tess. You know what, I'm done, man. No, Randall, Randall, Thank Randall. you, Randall, out the door. Cue mom chasing her favorite son. This is no. such a predictable movie. You are so predictable. You raise your voice hey, to her hey, one more hey. time. All your children you love equally, right? That's yes, what you keep saying. Do you love yeah, all I'm my sure children the same? Wouldn't it feel refreshing, though, just to right here in this forum, because this is where you do that kind of stuff, to just tell everyone the truth, which is that you love Randall the most. Oh, He's your favorite, right? that's not true. Kevin, it's not true. That's absolutely it's ridiculous. ridiculous. I'm yeah, okay, not it's ridiculous. Say and any one thing that you and I have. One thing that you and I have that is special, that is just you and me. Not 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 I, all of us. Not me and Randall. Not me and Kate. Kevin, can you please stop? I I I'm 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 flustered and it's not kind of you. Well, what just you're admit doing. that you love Randall more. We can stop pretending to be. No, this he was just family. easier. He was easier and he didn't recoil when I touched him, and he wasn't some sullen teenager who was angry at me for no reason, and he didn't. What did you notice? It's a bit awkward, yeah. right? Messy. Seems like uh, there was some raw emotions, some addiction issues between father, the father and Kevin. Uh, seemed like there was a lot of tension between Kevin and Randall. Why? Centered around the way the mother treated them differently. Now, I could focus on a lot of different issues in that scene, but there's one I want to home in on, and it's this, favoritism. Favoritism. What was that impassioned thing that Kevin said? He said, just, just tell us that Randall's your favorite, that you love him more. And for some of us, that, that hits pretty close to home, right? How many of you in here know who the favorite child was in your family? Not necessarily raise your hands, but... Makes it awkward for everybody around you. <laughs> but those of you who were the favorite child probably didn't think it was a big deal. But if you weren't the favorite child, this cuts you to the core. And it cuts you to the core because all of us, I would argue today, have a deep need for blessing. That we want people to love us for who we are. We want people to appreciate us. We want people to know and tell us that we're good at something. That we want people to like and comment on our social media posts. I mean, most of all, I think deepest of all, though, we all want our parents to bless us. We want to know that our parents love us. I might even say we all want to be the favorite because it means that we're special. Kevin didn't get his mother's blessing. Randall was the Favorite. Am I touching any nerves yet, right? See, that theme of blessing is where the text takes us today. And specifically, we'll see what happens when we don't get the blessing we desperately want and need. Esau and Jacob both desperately wanted their father's approval. They wanted his blessing. And the scene really doesn't go well for Esau. And so this is how it ends, Genesis 27, 41. From this time on, Esau hated Jacob 
because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob. How did we get here? Because that moment in the counseling session doesn't happen overnight. Now, the scene primarily plays out in Genesis chapter 27, and so I invite you to turn there with me now. Now, for some of you who are sitting here today, you came from a really healthy family system, and praise God for that. Uh, I want to challenge you on a couple things, though, this morning. First, um, if you came from a healthy family system, we should all still be on our guard against letting this behavior come into our family. And second... Consider how you can minister to those struggling in this area. You may have the opportunity to speak truth and show compassion to families who are prone to this behavior. And so to rightly understand Genesis 27:41, we have to look at the marriage and dynamics of Isaac and Rebekah's family, because at the heart of the passage is a desire, a need for blessing. And when that doesn't happen, there's really three consequences. First, Favoritism fractures the family. Second, deception drives the wedge deeper. And finally, broken relationships are not easily repaired. So the consequences build on each other in our story. So before we look at them, let's pray and go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, for your goodness and your grace in our lives And Father, I don't know how everybody has walked in here today, Lord, but a message like this, a passage like this, requires extra amounts of grace. And so, Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, will come and work, that you prepare our hearts, that you would unearth things that need to be unearthed, and that you would bring healing where healing needs to happen. All for your glory, Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Now, before we dive into chapter 27, let's back up to chapter 25, verse 21, because it's in this verse that we learn about uh, the parents here. We learn about Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, and how they're having difficulty having kids, just like Isaac's parents were. Well, what does Isaac do? Verse 21 says this. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children, and the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Do you mind switching the output over to uh, the red one? Thanks. Um, and just like that, just like his parents, God was faithful and allowed Isaac and Rebecca to have children. Twins, no less. What a blessing twins are, right? But during the pregnancy, Rebecca starts to notice something. There was more kicking going on than expected, right? And so it seemed like these two children were fighting each other inside her womb. So she asked the Lord. She goes to him and says, what's happening to me, God? And God gives a prophecy. He says this. It says, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Now, right there, put a place marker in your Bible because this prophecy is important. It shows an important truth that we're going to come back to throughout this message, and the truth is this. God's plan is sovereign. God's plan is sovereign. Now, we're going to see a lot of messiness in this chapter, but God's plan is sovereign. And what's crazy is that he still uses broken, messed up people to accomplish his plans. But let's also recognize something here. Like, like this right here is not what you want to hear about your kids, right? <laughs> right, right? I mean, as a parent, don't you uh, hope and pray that your kids will get along, that they'll love each other, that they'll, they'll play nice, right? But these children are, gonna, are fighting with each other, and they haven't even been born yet. Yikes. Right, when the kids are born, we learn that it's two boys. Right? We learn that Esau is born first, and then Jacob is coming right after him, grabbing at his heel. In fact, his very name means grabber. And so as the boys grow up, they follow two very different paths. We learn that Esau is a skillful hunter. He's an outdoorsman. Right? In other words, Esau is a man's man. Right? He likes to hunt and kill things. But Jacob, we learn, had a quiet temperament and preferred to stay at home. And so if this was today, Jacob would probably love to sit at home, uh, read books, drink coffee, enjoy conversations. 
Two very different young men, two different paths. And unfortunately, their parents did not help with the situation. It tells us here that Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now take that in, because there's a whole lot behind that verse, right? How do you think this childhood played out? Esau spent all his time with dad because dad gave him approval. Jacob spent all his time with mom because mom gave him approval. Perhaps you know this scenario too well. Favoritism fractures the family. And as the kids grow up, I imagine this fractured their marriage as well. Because Isaac was probably always defending Esau, uh, even when he messed up. And Rebekah was probably always defending Jacob. In fact, maybe Esau was bigger than Jacob. He picked on him. And, and she felt like she had to protect her younger, maybe a maybe smaller son. Now, by contrast, maybe Isaac was looking at Jacob and he was always saying, well, you need to grow up, Jacob. You need to toughen up. Stop crying. The scripture tells us that Isaac loved many things. But as commentator Abraham Kuravila points out, conspicuously absent from the objects of Isaac's love is Jacob. In fact, that's about the only thing Isaac is said not to love. And so again, that probably caused fights between Isaac and Rebekah. Now, when we get in the beginning of chapter 27, we learn that Isaac is 100 years old, he's blind, he can't see, and so he anticipates that he's going to die soon. And what he does is he, what he is supposed to do is gather all his kids together to give a blessing. But what he does is he calls Isaac, or he calls Esau over, and he makes this request of Esau in verse 4. It says, prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, this custom was called the deathbed blessing, and it was common in the ancient Near Eastern cultures. In fact, a modern comparison may be giving a last will and testament to your family. And I want you to notice two things about this verse in particular. First, Isaac, we learn here, was going against God's will. Right? That, that prophecy he gave him back in Genesis 25 said the older is going to serve the younger. And now it should have been Jacob he was calling over to receive the blessing. Why is Isaac doing this? Now clearly Esau was his favorite, but I want to dive just for a second into the character of Esau a bit more. Because Esau really up to this point had made some poor decisions. First, he sold his birthright over to Jacob for some stew in chapter 25. Then we learn in Genesis 26, 34 that Esau breaks family tradition and he gets married to some Canaanites, which was forbidden. In fact, in both instances, there was problematic decision-making, and it actually tells us that because Esau married these women, it made life miserable for Rebekah and Isaac. But does Isaac stop him? No. Why? Well, again, perhaps he liked Esau and thought he was stronger, that he would carry on the line better than Jacob. But really the only clue we get in the text is the fact that Isaac liked the way Esau made food. Talk about a man following his appetite, right? Now, second, I want you to notice that somebody is absent from this verse, and it's Jacob. Because typically what would happen is the father would gather all his kids together and speak a blessing over all of them. But here we see that he cuts Jacob out of the blessing. And so it's very clear that Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob, that he favored, um, he loved Esau more than Jacob. He favored Esau and it fractured the family. Now, blessings, let's just be honest here. Blessings are really powerful statements. In fact, Tim Cower defines a blessing this way. He says, he says this, blessing is an accurate spiritual discernment of who a person really and truly is. In other words, a blessing is looking at someone and affirming who they are and how God has made them. A blessing goes beyond words. In fact, a blessing is, is powerful gestures and words that affirm how a person is made. And listen, if we're honest, we crave that, especially from our parents. 
We want someone who is older than us, who is wiser than us, who loves us to affirm who we are. We want their blessing. What did blessing look like for you? See, when I was younger, there was one thing that my father and I did constantly. We would go out and we would play catch. We'd grab our gloves, we'd go to the side of the house, and we would throw the ball back and forth. Throw it up, I'd catch it, right? He would, he would say things like, good catch, or great throw, or, or whatever it was. And as that ball passed back and forth between me and my father, it was a way of my father blessing me with his words and his gestures. When my father spent time with me, and as we threw the ball from his glove to mine, it was a way of a father blessing his son. How did you and how do you get blessing? Now, the plot thickens in verse 5 because another character enters the scene. We learn this. And Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. Rebekah was eavesdropping. I imagine it wasn't too hard because they lived in tents, right? But again, Isaac loves Esau, but what does Rebe- who does Rebekah love? She loves Jacob, Right? Now, at this point in the marriage, Rebecca's probably thinking, listen, I've had enough of this. How many fights am I going to have with my husband about how he treats Jacob? And now, and now, he's cutting him out of the blessing. And he knows God has prophesied it. Isaac is acting a bit more like Uncle Dursley from those Harry Potter films where he just wants Jacob to leave and never come back. And so Rebecca says, listen, enough is enough. I've had it with this. I'm going to hatch a scheme. This is what I'm going to do. She calls Jacob over. She explains uh, what, is, what she's just heard. She says, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And so she lays out her master plan. She says, listen, Jacob, I'm going to prepare food the way Isaac likes because I know he likes to eat. I'm going to dress you up like Jacob. You're going to go in there and you're going to steal the blessing. Sounds like a healthy family dynamic, right? Now, Jacob isn't sure about this plan. He objects, really not out of a moral problem, but really because he's afraid he's going to get caught. He says, Mom, if I go in there and he finds out who I am, he's going to curse me. He's not going to bless me. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Jacob, just do what your mother says. I'll handle it. And so Jacob obeys his mother, dresses up like Esau, and brings the food to his father. See, favoritism fractures the family, but in the next scene, we get into deeper waters. Jacob and Rebekah take it to the next level. They move really beyond the point of no return, and so we see that deception drives the wedge deeper. Deception drives the wedge deeper. So the next scene is filled with a lot of tension because Jacob enters the room with his father and we read this. He went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, who is it? And Jacob said, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And Isaac asked his son, well, how did you find it so quickly? Now, Jacob has a choice in the scene, right? He can come to Isaac and he can come clean. He can leave the room. He cannot continue with this deception. But what does he do? Jacob chooses to lie. The point of no return has been passed. Why does he do this? He's desperate for the blessing. All he wants to do is play catch with his dad. He is so desperate, he's willing to deceive his father. But Isaac isn't buying it, right? Remember, he can't see, and so he wants some answers. This food has gotten here a little sooner than he expected. How did that happen? And so look at how Jacob responds. He says this, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. But he blames it on God. Remember how that's gone in the past? Now, some commentators think Jacob's misusing the name of the Lord here, and that's, that's, that's true, I think, but... Jacob probably also wanted to sound convincing, but it's still not good enough for Isaac. So Isaac tells him, come closer, come closer to me so I can, I can touch you. I have to be sure. It says this, Jacob went close to his father Isaac who touched him and said, the voice 
is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Can you feel the tension in this scene? All right, imagine you're Jacob. And when Rebecca brought up this idea, he was concerned he's going to be discovered, and now his father's sounding suspicious, right? Is he going to be discovered? Now, apparently that disguise that Rebecca put together was convincing, but Isaac is still suspicious, and so he keeps asking, are you really my son Esau? Is it really you? And Jacob wisely doesn't, doesn't speak much more. He just quickly says, yes, I am. And so Isaac asks him to bring him his food. Remember, Isaac loved him, loved him some food, right? Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought him some wine, and he drank, And then his father Isaac said, come here, my son, and kiss me. Now, smart move, Jacob, right? He brings some wine with the food. Maybe he was trying to keep his father from asking some more questions. But Isaac has one more test. He asked Jacob to kiss him so he could smell him. But remember, Jacob helped prepare the food, and so he smelled like Esau because he smelled like the food. And then Isaac gives Jacob the blessing. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Kind of blessing you want to get, right? May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over you, my brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. The plan is done. Rebecca and Jacob pulled it off. And Jacob walks out, but as we'll see, the consequences of their actions are drastic. Why? Because favoritism fractures the family, but deception drives the wedge deeper. Now again, there's a natural question to ask here. I think it's this. How did Jacob get here? I mean, what drove him to such lengths that he agreed to Rebecca's plan? Well, really, underneath it all is that thing that I think we all struggle with, that we all need blessing. We all need it. And the need for Jacob was really deep, right? If you look later on in Jacob's story, if you go to Genesis chapter 32, uh, Jacob is there wrestling with God, wrestling with God all night. And as dawn is coming, as he's holding on for dear life, what does Jacob say? He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And it's in that moment that God gives Jacob a new name, Israel, which means God rules. See, we all have a need for blessing, right? In fact, I I saw a recent article in USA Today entitled, Perfect Selfies Are All Over Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, and They're Killing Us. Now, the article goes on to detail how many teenagers and young adults are so obsessed with getting the best selfie ever that they will actually go to death-defying lengths to get one. In fact, here's just a few examples. Check these out. Uh, Oh, wait, that's, that's me and Pastor Dave at a conference we were at the other week, Theological Nerd Conference. Uh, Brian Chappell, our speaker. Not so dangerous, but check out this next one. This girl got a bear behind her, but she doesn't care. I guess she can run pretty quickly, right? That wasn't as dangerous as this next one. This guy hanging over a skyscraper in Hong Kong with his selfie stick. Now, listen, if you actually Google dangerous selfies, I I tell you, I watched some of these pictures, and I was like, seriously? (laughs) This, can't, this, this is a guy sitting on top of the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. And this next guy takes it to another level. He gets that on the arm. Like, this is like hundreds of feet in the air. But not as crazy as this last one. This was the, the one I couldn't believe. I was like, seriously? He's hanging out of a jet, taking a picture of himself. How crazy do you have to be to get? I mean, people are hanging over dangerous cliffs and skyscrapers to acquire a selfie that will garner So many likes and comments. I mean, some people have actually died doing this. Why? We all have a need for blessing. We all want to be loved. Just like Jacob. We all want to be loved. Did you ever notice how Jacob achieved this? He put on a disguise. He dressed up like someone else to get the blessing. And don't we do that too? 
right? We take a dangerous selfie even though we're not natural risk takers. We take a job we hate. Why? So we can make more money and have a perceived status. We get into a dating relationship uh, and we pretend to be something we're not. Why? (laughs) So that person will like us, love us, bless us. And listen, even at church, even at church, sometimes we play a role so that other people will bless us. Right? We come to church every week, we attend a Bible study, we serve in a ministry, not out of a right heart, but for status and blessing. I mean, have you ever done anything at church so you could be noticed? How are you getting blessing from others? Jacob lied. He put on different clothes to get the blessing he desired. However, the blessing he received was meant for Esau. What what does Isaac say here? He says, ah, the smell. The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Now, doesn't that sound a whole lot more like Esau, the outdoorsman, than Jacob, the homebody? When his father blessed him, he wasn't thinking about Jacob. He was thinking about Esau, And even though we have that deep need for blessing, there is nothing, nothing, nothing worse than receiving a blessing meant for someone else. That's what happens when we disguise ourselves like Jacob. The deception does not bring us closer to other people. It drives us further apart because it's only when we're honest that true blessing can take place. So favoritism fractured Isaac's family. Deception drove the wedge deeper. And it's going to shatter whatever trust is left. And so we come to the last scene, and there's something tragic we learn, and it's this. Broken relationships are not easily repaired. Broken relationships are not easily repaired because no sooner had Jacob left the room, but Esau walks in. Right? They missed each other by a matter of minutes. And Esau had no idea what happened. I mean, he's coming in thinking he's going to get this blessing. He's really cheery, and he says, Dad, listen, sit up. I got food for you. Bless me. And his father, Isaac, asked him, who are you? I'm your son, he answered. I'm your firstborn, Esau. Now imagine how confused Isaac is here, right? He's like, wait, what? What, didn't Esau just come in? But he realizes really quickly what happened. He's been deceived. He's been betrayed. When your child lies to you, how does it feel? Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. Isaac trembled violently. Now, listen, the English does not do justice to this word picture because literally it says he was gripped with uncontrollable trembling. It shook him to his core because he recognizes that he has given the blessing away. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. Now, remember, Esau was entering the room thinking he was going to get the blessing, only to find it's been ripped from his hands. And so he screamed, he cried, he wailed. That need for blessing is strong. Oh, my father, what about me? I'm your favorite. I'm your favorite, dad. Bless me. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He's taken away your blessing. See, deception drives the wedge deeper. It breaks relationships. They're not easily repaired. Have you ever been in a scene like this? Right? What happens next? Esau goes on a tirade and he starts bringing up every wrong that Jacob ever did to him. And then he asks Isaac again. He says, Dad, haven't you reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac says effectively, no. I've made him Lord over you. I've passed the blessing to him. It can't be undone. Now, why can't the blessing be undone? I mean, that sounds weird to our modern ears, right? Like, why doesn't Isaac just change his mind? Well, the reason is because Isaac, I think, in this moment, realized his own mistake. Because remember, God gave a prophecy, the older will serve the younger. 
And no matter what, it's going to come to pass. Isaac can't change God's plans. Isaac should have blessed Jacob, but he ignored the prophecy, and he went on to bless Esau instead. And now there's a huge mess. Because the reality was this, the blessing was never Esau's in the first place. Esau gave away his birthright for good. Esau married women he should not have. He thought he could live however he wanted and still be blessed, but in reality, he would have been stealing the blessing from Jacob. Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. And then Esau broke down and wept. Isaac doesn't have a blessing for Esau. He's got nothing left to give him. What does it feel like when you don't get the blessing you desire? Now, I mentioned earlier that blessing for me in my childhood was playing catch with my dad. Again, that ball going back and forth in our gloves was a way of a father bestowing favor on his son. But one day, my dad died, and there was no one to play catch with. I mean, I would ask other people, I'd ask father's friends, I'd ask uncles, I'd ask coaches, but no one was like my dad. No one treated me quite like him, and many times people would come over and say, I just can't, I just, I have nothing to give you, and it broke my heart, because you can't play catch with yourself, and you can't bestow blessing on yourself. It has to come from someone else. And when we don't get that blessing we desire, it breaks us. And unfortunately, it takes us down very dark paths like bitterness and resentment. And that's where it leaves Jacob here. And now we're back at verse 41. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. Do you see how we got here? doesn't happen overnight. First, there's a pattern of favoritism. Second, there's an action of deceit. And then the family's ripped apart. Hatred enters in, and the family is never together again. Now, this is a really complicated story. I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, at this point, some of you out there who are, Bible, who are Bible scholars are saying, well, what is up with this Jacob guy? Like, isn't he the one who, like, all the 12 tribes came from, all his sons, that, that, that he carries on the blessing from Abraham? How could God condone such a deceptive action? That's a good question, but let's recognize two truths. First, there are consequences for our actions, right? So remember, the Old Testament narratives don't make statements, they tell stories, Statements about right living, that's prominent in Paul's epistles. But in the narrative here, we see consequences for Jacob and Rebekah's actions. Yes, Jacob gets the blessing, but he loses the family. To to protect Jacob, Rebekah sends Jacob away to live with her brother Laban, his uncle. And a few days turns into 20 years. During that time, Rebekah dies, never sees her son again. Now, Laban, his uncle, turns out to be a bit of a swindler, right? He deceives Jacob numerous times, most notably to marry both his daughters. And then when Jacob gets older, he has his own sons. And after all this talk about favoritism in this passage, he plays favorites with Joseph, flaunts it with a coat of many colors. We'll come back to that in a few weeks. Do you see how favoritism and deception have long-lasting consequences? That broken relationships are not easily repaired, sometimes for generations. Have there been consequences in your family? Perhaps you have been in a counseling session, or maybe you you need to go to a counseling session like the one we watched in the beginning, and it's painful. It's raw. We don't want to go there. But these narratives make it clear that God wasn't happy with Rebecca and Jacob. But secondly, and here's the thing, And we're going to come back. We came back to this now. Don't forget this. The second truth is this. God's plan is sovereign. God's plan is sovereign, that he uses broken, messed up, deceptive people to accomplish his purposes. If he didn't, how could we argue that you and I are blessed? 
And if you look at the book of Genesis, in fact, if you look at the pattern of the Bible, it is God taking the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It is God taking the younger and actually favoring him over the older because in God's eyes, it turns what the world thinks upside down. But Jacob's complicated. In God's prophecy, he was always the chosen one, but Isaac went against God's will. Rebekah recognized God's will, but she took matters into her own hands and didn't trust God to carry it out. What in the world are we supposed to do with this story? How are we supposed to find any application here with all this dysfunction? Well, thankfully, it is not the end of the story. And the reality is these fallen scenes are never the end of the story because God is always working to bring about redemption in the life of his people. God is sovereign. And here's the big lesson of this story. Despite deception, despite it all, God brings redemption. Despite deception, God brings redemption. That God is still working in the midst of broken, messed up people who make poor choices. God's still there. And I find that comforting. That he takes brokenness and he turns it into beauty. And so after his experience with crazy Uncle Laban, Jacob decides to return home. After 20 years, just imagine, 20 years, Jacob makes contact with Esau and he tells him, I'm coming home. But naturally, Jacob's afraid, right? What is Esau going to do? Is he still going to want to kill me? I mean, he wanted to kill me before I left. I must be crazy for going home, right? And so Jacob gets word to Esau that he's coming, and Esau says, hey, I'm going to come, and I'm going to bring 400 men with me. Yikes. And so Jacob prays to God, and when Esau shows up, we see this beautiful picture of what God does in hard hearts. Right? Jacob goes out to his brother. He humbly bows before him, and look at what Esau does in chapter 33, verse 4. Then Esau ran out to meet him and embraced him and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Now that is one of the most beautiful passages in the whole Bible. I mean, was this the same Esau who wanted to kill his brother 20 years ago? These two brothers who fought their whole lives embraced forgiveness after 20 years of absence? Wow! I mean, I'm sure they had changed, that they both uh, had been through a lot, and perhaps they, they realized what was important. So what do we do? What do we do with this function? Well, I want to suggest two things for you as we close out here. First, we really need to seek to be agents of forgiveness. We need to be an agent of forgiveness. And I know that won't always be easy or possible, Uh, Jacob and Esau's relationship was still complicated even after this, but in this moment, they chose to embrace forgiveness. Now, at the beginning, we watched that scene from This Is Us. There's a scene later in the episode that displays the power of forgiveness because after that big blow up between Kevin and Randall, they make up one day and they say, I forgive you. Watch this scene. You know, it would have been sweet if we had someone documenting our entire childhood boyhood style. Mm-hmm. I hate that movie. Never saw it. I really loved it. I'm just saying, if we had someone filming our entire childhood objectively, then we never have to debate about anything. Whenever we remember things differently, we just say, let's go to the videotape like Warner Wolf and then see what was really up. Who's Warner Wolf? Sportscaster guy when we were growing up used to always say, let's go to the videotape and then play the highlights. Warner Wolf. Mm, Oh, yeah. I remember when they were fitting me for glasses as a kid. I never actually realized just how blurry everything had always been until they stuck my face in this weird thing they called the better machine. So many 
variations, so many lenses, each one sharper or blurrier. My view of the entire world shifted like 12 times in less than a minute. I think everyone sees their childhood with different lenses, with different perspectives. And I didn't come here today to crap all over your perspective, Kev. I came here today because last year, when I was at my lowest, bro, I was crying on the floor and I was shaking and, hey, Kev, look at me, please. You were there for me, man. And I wanted to be there for you today and I wasn't. I did a bad job today and I'm sorry. Sorry about Tess. I know. So just to clarify, it's official. I'm mom's favorite, right? <laughs> Is this guy for real? <laughs> Pretty powerful, right? As much as is possible, be an agent of forgiveness. Secondly, and this is where I want to leave you today, remember the blessing. What do I mean? Well, blessing is such a key theme in this passage because, again, we all have that need for blessing. We all have that need for someone to speak over us and affirm who we are and how God made us. And just like Jacob and Rebecca. And Esau and Isaac, we do unhealthy things if we feel we're not blessed. But what if we recognize we've already been blessed? See, if you look back in the narrative, we get a clue of Isaac's response, in Isaac's response to Esau. Isaac trembles uncontrollably. He says he wasn't able to, he already gave the blessing to Jacob. And what does he say? He says, I blessed him just before you came in. And yes, the blessing must stand. And later, as Jacob departs to go live with Laban, Isaac blesses him a second time, and he repeats the blessing that God gave to Abraham. He says, you have been blessed to be a blessing. Because you see, despite all of Jacob's failings, it is through his line, through his son Judah, that someone else comes who will bless the world. And later on, in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ would leave his place of blessing in heaven and come to earth. And in Matthew 3, at Jesus' baptism, we read this about God the Father's love for his son. He says this, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now that is a blessing you want to hear, right? But friends, don't you see, though, That that is the very blessing that has been passed on to us. That through Jesus Christ, you have the blessing you're longing for. That when Jesus Christ went to the cross and to die for you and me, Paul tells us, he took on the curse so we could receive the blessing. And Paul opens his letter to the Ephesians this way. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has what? Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Remember that blessing. Ground yourself in that blessing because when you do, you won't need to seek approval from others. You already have the approval you need. We've been adopted into the family of God. We're heirs of the kingdom, co-heirs of the kingdom. Don't you see that even in the midst of deception of Jacob, God still uses it to bring about redemption. Despite deception, God brings redemption. Amen. All of us are looking for blessing. And I don't know, if you're sitting here today and... You have never received a blessing from your parents or blessing is not something in your life that happens regularly. I want to tell you that it's in Christ that you will find all the blessing you desire. That if you know Jesus, you've been united with him and God the Father says the same thing to you that he says to his son, you are my child, I love you.
And that's what my father was saying to me when we played catch. That this is a glove is a reminder to me of that truth, but it's also a, a reminder to me that I have a heavenly father who has bestowed blessing on me, who loves me, and who will always be there for me. That he is always willing to spend time with me, even when no one else will. Because of the work of his son, I can experience all his spiritual blessings, blessings that will carry into eternity. Do you know that today? I'd invite the worship team to come on stage for one final song. And no matter where you are in life, let me just share with you this today. The blessing you are craving is found in Jesus Christ. And we don't have to wear a disguise like Jacob because we've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And we can change. The way we change, friends, is when we get that truth deep down in our hearts. Once you know you're blessed, you can be a blessing. Favoritism fractures the family. Deception drives the wedge deeper. Broken relationships are not easily repaired, but praise God that he clothes us with the righteousness of Christ that even though we're broken, messed up people, God still chooses to use us. And when we stand before him one day, we can sing the words of that great hymn, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Despite deception, God brings redemption. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we praise you. Lord, we know that even in the healthiest situations, so many times we seek approval from others, Lord. And I pray today that we would know all the approval we need is found in you. That all the love we need is found in you. That all our identity is grounded in you, Lord God. And if it's not, it needs to be, Lord. I, I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would move on people's hearts that we would recognize that despite dysfunction, despite deception, despite favoritism, you bring about redemption. And now when you look on us, you don't see us, you see your son. His blood covers us, and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.